Lover of all things lit, professional reviewer, recommender, book blogger. I am your host, Lloyd Russell, aka The Book Sage, and you're listening to Lit with Lloyd, courtesy of KCAT Radio. Hi, uh, welcome to Lit with Lloyd. I am Lloyd, uh, and uh, today uh, we'll be talking to Sam Kabert. Uh, and here is what LinkedIn says about Sam. Serial entrepreneur turned spiritual seeker, number one best-selling author, podcaster. Uh, we are delighted to have you here, Sam, and uh, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Lloyd. I know we've been uh, talking about this for a while, so I'm excited to be here. Good. Okay, so let's start with a little bit of background. Tell us about you. Tell us about uh, where you you grew up and and then we'll get into the actual books that you've written. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Gilroy, so I'm local here. And I went to school at Chico State. And in a lot of ways, I really felt like going to college and the whole college experience and going away, Chico, it was like a re, my first real time that I like had my first big identity shift, I guess you could say, um, really wanted to change from the person that I was growing up. And that's a whole story in itself. But a lot of that comes around my name. And growing up, my name was Sammy, you know, my, my born name on my birth certificate is Samuel. But I think we mentioned a boy named Sue or something like your son's book, right? <laughs> and this famous Johnny Cash song, a boy named Sue, I didn't have like that type of mentality or even know that was a thing. But I had so much self hate and shame around my name being so soft. And in my junior year of high school, I changed my name to Sam in the school system. And that was kind of like where I first started to really shift my identity. And I always knew like, okay, when I go to college, it's gonna be a fresh start. Um, so that's just a little bit of context since you asked about like my background. Then from there in college, um, I did the whole party thing. I lived above the most popular bar in town. We were top frat, oh, the whole thing. I repped Monster Energy drinks. Um, in addition to a stand-up paddleboard company, anti-hangover company, a spring break company, like I did the college thing, you know, <laughs> Chico State, right? So um, yeah, that was amazing. I started my first business in college and that turned into what is now known as Swagworks. We do swag, branded merchandise. Um, and then, yeah, that kind of, uh, that's a little bit of context. <laughs> okay, well, that's great. Uh, so. So your your entrepreneurial spirit really started in college. In some ways, yeah, because um, my parents own a company called Value Business Products, and they are the last remaining family-owned and operated uh, office supply company in Silicon Valley. Oh wow! Yeah, I remember growing up, and there was maybe like 30 independently owned family owned office supply companies and they're the only ones still around they used to be right around the corner from um the shark tank where andy's pet shop i uh -huh. believe still is now and um yeah both of them they're entrepreneurs and then um both of their parents well i mean my dad's dad and my mom's dad my two grandpas they're both entrepreneurs and then my great grandfather, who I actually knew till I was maybe around 10 or so, he was an entrepreneur as well. So very much like in the blood and 
you know, growing up in Gilroy, I remember going to the office with them in downtown San Jose and being a kid in the back seat, just kind of like listening in on their conversations when they would talk business, you know? So I had a little bit of context for that, but yeah, my entrepreneurial journey for myself, yeah, that started my senior year of college. I didn't know that there was an entrepreneurial gene in the families, <laughs> but, uh, but evidently that, that does exist. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, you started a number of businesses. You've written business books. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that uh, first before we get into uh, this book, <laughs> which I am very anxious to get into uh, and read. Uh, how did you start businesses and how did they get into books? Yeah, that's a great question. So I won't, for the sake of time, I won't go into the whole story of Chico Feet, but the first business was called Chico Feet. And um, yeah, that's a great story in itself, but that transformed into Swagworks now. And then in 2016, I was looking around, you know, to be honest, I had a big chip on my shoulder in Silicon Valley. I felt like as a guy that sold swag, branded merchandise, and I was doing some office supply stuff for my parents' business as well. It was hard to get respect, you know, like in Silicon Valley, there's a tech startup scene and all that. And it was just a guy selling swag. So I started doing nonprofit work and got on a couple boards of nonprofits. I chaired the Silicon Valley Young Professionals for a number of years. And I started to look around and saw friends and just different people getting into content creation. And I was thinking to myself, oh, podcasts, that sounds interesting. So I wanted to do a podcast, but I didn't believe in myself and think I could. Well, luckily I have two good friends that I give shout outs to in the book, shout outs to Sergio Oliveira and Pal Vinder. They are amazing. And I worked with those two guys on the Silicon Valley Young Professionals. Sergio was the guy that had all the relationships and the contacts and the charisma and the charmer. I was the business guy that would get everything organized. And Pal had a company called uh, Playground Studios and they do amazing video production. So he used to do these short little promo videos. Uh, and that's how we got so many people there because his videos were incredible so I reached out to those two guys and I was trying to convince Sergio to do a podcast with me and then we could have pal do like all the audio VA stuff because I didn't know how to do that AV <laughs> stuff I mean uh -huh. um, so eventually that came to fruition that can that was what up Silicon Valley and that was a podcast and then we relaunched that into a media company where we had five different podcasts on the media network. And we also had a annual event at eBay's headquarters called uh, Pitch Tank. It was a Shark Tank inspired event. Uh -huh. So that was kind of how I got into content creation. And you know, people started asking me, how are you able to do so much? And I was like, VAs. And they'd be like, what's a VA? I'm like virtual assistant <laughs> they didn't know and then all of a sudden i shifted to doing podcasts and blogs about virtual assistants within my own industry the promotional products industry i became known as the va guy so i just owned that it wasn't anything i've really like set out to do it was just natural i put out an ebook about virtual assistants and at that point i was like I think I want to write a book because I always knew I wanted to write a book. But uh -huh. I was like, I could write a book about this and become a thought leader. Like, sure, I'll do that. So I listened to a couple books on how to write a book, took uh -huh. meticulous notes. I wrote the first book, Working with Virtual Assistants. And then I was like, 
all right, I enjoyed that, and I want to write another. So the <laughs> next one uh, became the written goal, and part of that too, the written goal subtitle, I think, is um, the mindset behind writing down, reading your goals daily, or something like that. I wrote that book in 2018. Um, but part of that too was like I could feel myself slipping because with my career it was really like I was at the peak and I was starting to get complacent and I've always said I'm the type of like sales guy or even entrepreneur that when things are going great I kind of just coast where the whereas the best entrepreneurs and salespeople they go pedal to the metal I'm like no I want to enjoy this right so <laughs> I felt myself coasting and I was like I'm going to write a book for myself the written goal which is how to achieve your goals so that if something ever goes wrong or I really need this I can go back to my formula that works for me and maybe in the process I can help some people uh, along the way and it'll further my own personal brand from there i've rebranded my company to swagworks and then i was like might as well write a third book and write about swag so i did that in all three books um i wrote those in less than 12 months it wow was wild yeah that's crazy <laughs> uh and those are the three business books strictly business books that you wrote correct yeah those are all business yeah okay uh how how did you promote them? Uh, how did you get the word out? Uh, and and you know and have they been well received? I didn't promote them. Like I when I listened to and that's where I fall flat. To be honest, like I don't enjoy social media. I don't re enjoy promotions or all any of that. And that's my own story and something that I have to work on. But I really like creating. And with those books, like. I listened to that part and I've researched like how to promote them and do all that. And I was like, I don't want to do all that. Like, honestly, I did very like light promotion. Like imagine the minimum you can do for a promotion. That's what <laughs> I did. You know, I, I talked about every now and then, whether it was a post or an email blast or, you know, a podcast or something like that. But it, there was no like uh, goal associated to it to become like a bestseller or anything like that. So those books, like, they were it, in hindsight so interesting because that taught me how to write and go through the process and everything and that's why this book soul life balance performed so well and did so well and i had such a great relationship in writing with it because i had so much experience previously so it's not like i have judgment against those books not like becoming bestsellers or a lot of people reading them but um it's just interesting to look at in hindsight you know did you self-publish those three books all all four of them are actually self-published yeah. okay yeah uh, i'm not quite ready to get into soul life uh <laughs> balance but we'll get to that in a minute for sure um so you wrote your three books you did your entrepreneurial work and then some something hit you um, where you felt you needed to kind of go in a different direction, keeping the business side there, but going to a spiritual side and uh, in, in, you know, in joining with that. I, I'm mm -hmm. having trouble speaking. Uh, what led you to write soul life balance and and before you tell me that or give me that answer tell me um how how did 
how did you write it? I mean, how, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put the right questions to uh, you. I feel it. Yeah, yeah. So I'll answer the first one first, and kind of like some context and background, and then I can get into like the process of writing it. Um, the high level answer to that is in 2018. I got into meditation and I was talking with an executive of a very well-known um, tech company and he was telling me about meditation and at the time, this is 2018, like just a few years ago. I thought of meditation, like I, I heard different people talking, like influencers talking about meditation, but I still thought of meditation like the 90s Ninja Turtles movie where, you know, the Ninja Turtles were meditating and I always thought like, oh, that's from that movie, but that's not like a real thing, you know? And then I would hear these high performing achievers on podcasts talking about meditation and, you know, I was like, eh, whatever, you know? Um, and then this executive was telling me about it and I, I got really interested in it. And then I went to a conference and I spoke on stage in front of a live audience of, I don't know, maybe 300 people or something. It was an entrepreneurial jam. So there was like a panel. I presented like an issue or something I was working through. Then the panelists were to give feedback in front of a live audience. They pretty much like roasted me and were like all over me. And this guy who I hadn't met sent me this long note on Facebook. He was in the audience and it was just so deep and it was so spiritual. And he was saying a lot of stuff that where I was just like, kind of how your face looks right now. Like my jaw dropped. And yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. And wow. I met with them afterwards. And then I had a podcast at the time called Brand Hero. And I had him on my podcast, Brand Hero. And he told his whole story. And his story is his name's Charlie Johnson. He wrote the forward of this uh -huh. book. And he was the, he is the former executive director of the Pay It Forward Foundation, which the movie Pay It Forward is uh, based off of. And he told this incredible story of how when he first left the promotional products industry and, you know, it was different stuff. He came across this guy that said, I know you. And the short version is basically this guy told him about how he knew him from like past lives. And Charlie was the same way I was at that time. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm intrigued tell me more and then he went deep down the meditation path and he became charlie became my meditation like teacher if you will and i'd end up doing a transcendental meditation course but that's how i first really got introduced to the spiritual path and that was uh like january of 2018 and then 2019 was a really deep and dark numbing depression um, for a variety of reasons and the plant medicine known as ayahuasca uh, came into my being uh, about a year previously but then it came back into my life and through a form of synchronicities which I didn't even know what the word synchronicities meant in 2019 mm -hmm. um, that I just couldn't ignore just these massive things that would just happen that were the biggest of signs and I was so low and down that I was like I will do anything um, and ayahuasca is known as one of the most powerful plant medicines and yes it's a psychedelic but this is a ceremony like for healing as opposed to like oh I'm going to go shroom in the woods with my buddies right. you know right so that's how I, uh, this all started with um, first meditation then ayahuasca had my first really true profound spiritual awakening experience and then from there i had blinders on went real deep down the path of spirituality so before i answer like how i went about writing the book um if you have anything 
you want to add to that? Yeah, I definitely want to get into that. We're going to take a quick break. Cool. And then we'll be back in, in just a minute. Thank you to the Los Gatos Community Foundation for their continued support of KCAT Public Media. Because of groups like the Los Gatos Community Foundation, KCAT has been able to inspire, educate, entertain, and inform our community through the magic of television and digital media for over 38 years. Thank you. Okay, and we are back. Uh, we, we left off at a very significant point where you're telling us what kind of led to you writing the book or getting to a spiritual uh, place. So let's pick up from there. What made you decide to combine spirituality and business? And then I really want to know what the book is about mm -hmm. other than just the title. Yeah, absolutely. So part of like the awakening experience was just the propaganda of work-life balance and how the conditioning and programming of society, which I went through a whole medicine journey that brought me back to like my youth where I saw this stuff so clear. And, you know, we come in through this portal that is earth through a, what's known as a veil of forgetting. Like, you know, outside of this, uh, this dimension, we have all the knowledge, right? But then we go through a veil of forgetting when we come here, but also as children before all of life's events, everything happens and all that, you're kind of like a clear vessel. So I think a lot of us can see that when we're young. And, you know, for me, I didn't really have good outlets to express that and i got really into heavy metal and, and you know i was angry and stuff like that and i i didn't really know how to express it um so through these ceremonies i was able to make sense of that and really see like the way that society is run and how like our whole lives are focused around work and work-life balance like yeah it sounds great in theory right and i feel like when i was growing up i'm 33 especially like in high school and stuff like it was all the talk work-life balance find a career where you're gonna have good work-life balance and we always talk about that but at the end of the day most of our waking hours are spent working and if you just look at the traditional work week the five days out of seven were working and if you count down the hours you know say you're sleeping for eight hours which i mean that's good for most people if you can get eight hours then you're working for another eight you know and the the other eight the third that's either traveling or doing daily stuff so a large percentage of your life is spent working work-life balance to wrap this up in a bow with it being propaganda is how we glorify it being weekend warriors like oh like oh, i'm so excited that i have two days to actually enjoy my life how does that make sense at all or how we look forward to using our ptr pay time off to go on a vacation where after coming back from that vacation we need a vacation from the vacation or saving up for retirement for that one day so all that to say that was like a big part of my awakening experience and 
with that is how our language and how we say, oh, my work life or my personal life. No, 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 no. We're living one life, right? There's only one life you're living right now. There's no work life and personal life. So all this to say really is um, I'm trying to invite people to look at their relationship to work as a reframe instead of work-life balance as soul-life balance where work becomes a component of life. And you know, it's no coincidence that suicide rates are are at an all-time high that they ever have been. And mental health has been something yeah. that I've always been extremely passionate about. And I believe that it's because we've, part of the reason is because we've uh, cut ourselves away from our connection to our higher selves, our soul, to, to from nature and everything like that. So soul life balance, this word soul can be very triggering to some people, just like the word God, right? And what I'd just like to invite people to consider is everyone has an experience. I don't care if you're religious, you're spiritual, you're agnostic, or even you're atheist or anything, right? Everyone has an experience where they're able to express themselves and feel like there's something greater at play going on than just this earthly realm. And if we can connect to that on a daily basis and make that the forefront, then that's really what helps in terms of the mental health of society. I'm not here to recommend like, hey, I have a better way to rebuild the system because honestly, I don't. And you know, if someone does, that would be amazing. But I do think it first and foremost is going to start with mindset for sure. All right. Did you did you do uh, put this into practice before you even started to write the book? How, and, how, and how so if you did? Yeah, it's a great question. So I had the idea of Soul Life Balance pretty much right away. And um, at the time, I also had a podcast called Mojo Mondays, which was all about productivity and starting your work week <laughs> off strong and goal setting and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do a season of the Mojo Mondays podcast about spirituality. And then I realized... I can't do a season and then go back to like business. Like this is everything. So that became the Soul Seeker podcast. And the whole concept was about soul life balance and all that. And then I joined a mastermind uh, called Fit for Service. And it's an amazing group. And after being in the program for about nine months, I started to lead weekly calls for a group of 150 people um, about soul life balance. There were calls where I got kind of an opportunity to really figure out how this is landing for other people, how I can really best embody it myself, what it means to me. So I've really practiced soul life balance for a number of years uh, pr prior to writing the book. I knew that I would write a book about it, but it wasn't till July of 2021 over two years after I had the first initial idea of the book that I really was like, oh, I'm ready to write it because I went to this yoga retreat and there's a story there, but basically I realized that I was at the 12th step of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey model. And the 12th and final step is bringing the elixir, bringing the medicine back to the people. So I didn't realize I was doing this. None of this was intentional. This is what happens when you follow your awareness and the signs and synchronicities and stay curious. And in hindsight, you can put the puzzle pieces together. In hindsight, I'm like, 
oh, all this had to happen. And this cycle of the hero's journey I've been on was this deep dive so I could really immerse myself into it with blinders so that I could bring it back and package it in a way that makes sense for other people, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay, so before we get into the book a little bit, it seems to me that you are so incredibly busy. <laughs> are you able to actually practice soul life balance? <laughs> you know, that's funny because it, that goes back to how this podcast started. People ask, how are you able to do so much? And my answer is VAs. Like, honestly, I built up Swagworks to a million dollar company while working less than four hours a day with no employees just just freelancers and you know i've been saying to my friends the past few weeks that like, i'm bored you know like i i have nothing but free time even when i lived in campbell when i lived in silicon valley i had so much free time and that i mean that's part of the reason why i got into content creation um it's it's really fascinating to me from the outside how I, I understand how it looks like I'm so busy, but like if someone were to experience like my life a, a day in the life, they would be like, damn, you don't really do that much. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just weird, but yeah. Well, I would ask you what the virtual assistant does, and I might come back to that, mm -hmm. but I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about it. Yeah, the I book. don't, yeah. Okay. When did you decide to write it? How long did it take to write? And with something that seems so universal, did you ever think about having a traditional publisher mm. go for it? Yeah, I did want a traditional publisher. I talked with one of my good friends who happens to be an author coach, and she actually recommended that a better path would be to um, self-publish become a number one bestseller which i was number one bestseller in multiple categories including the category the universe so the number one book in the universe which is wow. pretty cool if you say it that way at yeah. least um but yeah so maybe the next one will be a publisher i i actually didn't look into it as much as i could have but yeah we'll see anyways uh to answer your questions i started writing the book actually i believe in may of 2021 um after i spent a month in costa rica um while i was in costa rica actually i started writing the book and then i put it down and then that yoga retreat in july was like oh yeah it's time to really do this didn't do anything i think in october september 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 or October of 2021, I committed to writing to it. And in 2021, I wasn't home straight for, I wasn't home for four weeks straight all year. And I kept going on these like different spontaneous trips here and there. I ended up going back to Costa Rica for another month where I did my yoga teacher training. And I was okay with delaying it. You know, my first three books, I showed up to them kind of um, very much in my masculine. When I'm talking about like masculine, feminine, I'm talking about archetypal energy. Um, and the masculine is like structure and do, whereas the feminine is more flow and receptive and intuitive. Yin as soul, as feminine, yang as life and masculine. So 
the first three books, I approached them very much in my masculine. It was like, I'm going to show up every day at this location at this time. And if I write for one minute, <laughs> you know, essentially write no words, that's fine because I know other days I could write for a couple hours. And that's what I did for the th first three books. With this book, I was like, no, I'm going to embody soul life balance and I'm going to write when I feel called, despite what my author coach told me to do. <laughs> and it worked out great. Like, I mean, I would uh, take notes here and there. It was amazing to be a yoga teacher training for a month in Costa Rica and having deep conversations with other seekers and realizing, oh, when I talk about X, Y, Z, even though I feel like that's obvious because I'm used to my mastermind kind of like, you know, only hanging out with people that go super, super deep, realizing like, oh, not just the masses might not know this, but even like seekers at the beginning of their journal journey. So then I would make a note like, oh, this interesting thing would like a despacho ceremony or new and full moon ceremonies, things like that, where I thought like in the spiritual community, like, oh, everyone knows this. But then again, the demographic for the book is someone who is just getting into spirituality, essentially. Okay. Uh, how long did it take you to actually write the book? I mean, I, I off and on, you know, so it's hard to say. I would do, I, I don't know how most people do it. I think most authors go this way, at least uh, for this sort of book, but I did several mind maps and then I would make those mind maps into an outline on a Google doc. And I would just look at the Google doc and be like, oh, I feel like writing about this, you know, versus writing in chronological order. It was just what feels most aligned. And I kind of approached it as writing blogs you know, the average blog is probably like 500 or 750 words, but I've written a lot of blogs that have been closer to a thousand to 2000 words. So kind of the way I would approach it is like either writing about a specific subject and or um, looking at the word count. And it would be like, you know, a hour and a half session here or something like that and another there. But I, I was studying flow states as well. Um, it was really important to me to understand how flow states work. And one of the things I didn't know prior to writing the book was that to really re-enter back into a flow state, you want to leave that flow at like 80% capacity. Obviously, these are arbitrary numbers, but um, before I would go to like 100% where like I'm in flow and like crank it down, keep going even further. And then I would have these massive crashes afterwards. Well, after working with this uh, certified flow coach, um, they were able to teach me that it wasn't actually a crash, it was a recovery period. And because I was going so deep, my recoveries were longer. Uh -huh. So I was able to stay in a flow state longer by not like going too deep and draining that flow state for everything it is and was. Yeah. Uh, Work-life balance. I, I imagine that there are tons of books about that soul life balance, I would think that there aren't that many books. Did you come across a number of other books of, of a similar nature? It does seem very unique. Yeah, I mean, 
totally. I, I yes, it is unique, and I haven't seen other books frame it in this sort of way. Uh-huh. Um, really, when I initially was thinking about the book, it was going to be a, an invitation to workaholics that there's something more, and I don't want to say it was going to be surface level, but it was going to be like, you know, not too woo in terms of spirituality. As I started to write the book more and more and more, I put all cards on the table. I put like all my wildest um, like concepts and theories, human origin story, like all kinds of stuff that like I talk about on my podcast and I've talked about publicly, but is way too far for the initial demographic. And the reason was because the book kind of morphed into an integration book because I've seen so many people, including myself, be just have a rough time with integration uh, after a spiritual awakening experience. So the book really became an integration book. And yeah, there's a lot of books that are like, integration quote-unquote books for spirituality but none of them really that i know of there's not many that frame it that way so i'm packaging it differently for sure well we're just about out of time i definitely am going to get a hold of this thank you for it uh soul life balance people i think it's something that we definitely want to read I, I, before we stop, I want to make sure that everybody knows that all the listeners know that you were in the Forbes, uh, Silicon Valley, not Forbes. Oh, I thought it was Forbes. All right. Okay. Well, that's, that's a bit of a difference, but still a big deal. So, um, 40 under 40, right? Is that what it's called? Right. Yeah. Uh, tell us very briefly about what year that was and how that happens. That was 2019. It was just a couple of months after I first sat with ayahuasca and was really deep on the path. And um, that was an amazing experience. And it was kind of the culmination of everything I had been working on, the, everything in terms of that chip on my shoulder. And um, I'm very grateful for it. Okay. Well, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I'm going to do a, a few different, a couple of different, uh, three different trivia quest or facts uh, uh, for our literary literary trivia of the day. Uh, R.L. Stein, who wrote the Goosebumps series, among other series, has written more children's books than any other author, including uh, J.K. Rowling, 220 million books, uh, and he started it in 1992. He will be 79 this year, and he still writes to every month that's nuts that's nuts is right he wrote 220 not not sold he sold yeah that's yeah, right. yeah 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 that, that's mind-boggling yeah uh i love this one dr seuss was on a luxury liner with his wife in 1936 and the engine's noise was driving him nuts and his wife said why don't you write a rhyming book that rhymes with the engine's noises so that it's not bothering you. And that was his first book uh, Hmm. that he wrote on the ship. uh, And and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. And that book was rejected 27 times before Vanguard Publishing decided to take a chance. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Uh, All right. The only other thing I will give you today is 
Hillary Clinton's memoir, which came out in 2003, sold 200,000 plus copies the first day. Uh, it's the largest opening day number of all time, wow. even to the present. Uh, that takes care of us for today. Uh, I want to thank KCAT TV and radio uh, for uh, hosting us today. Uh, I definitely want to thank Sam for being here. Uh, and you can go on Lloyd.show uh, and be able to listen to it. You can go on uh, YouTube. You can go on Lit with Lloyd. Um, I'm all over the place. So uh, if you get a chance uh, to take a listen or take a look, uh, feel free. And uh, that'll take care of us for today. Thank you. You just heard Lit with Lloyd here on KCAT Radio. Explore all our KCAT original programming at kcat.org radio.